Hi, I'm Jenna Louise and welcome to my second podcast. Um, during my first podcast, I touched a bit on bereavement um, that I've had through my life. And following on from that, I have therefore asked a friend of mine, Vicky, to come in and share her experience um, of that. So, hello, Vicky. Right, so... We're talking about your dad. Um, so my dad um, was an actuary. Um, he was a father of five children, um, married to my mum for, it would have been 30 years, the year that he died. Um, and he was a an amazing father. A lot more to say without going into loads and loads of detail about him, other than um, for most of my life uh, or certainly a lot of my adult life he suffered suffered quite badly with um, depression and he was an absolutely incredible person um, like like you said he he was incredibly generous and not only to me and my family but um, certainly to a lot of his friends as well um, and a lot of that showed at his funeral and after his death a lot of people said he helped us do this he helped us do that and I think when somebody is alive you don't necessarily notice things like that you potentially take it for granted and so I think incredibly highly of my dad and I probably never told him that um and I I think that a lot of other people did as well and I think sadly a lot of them didn't tell him either um so it all kind of started all of his his depression started um i think it started before i was actually born when they lived out in trinidad um and my parents were very newly married um and i think my dad had a very high pressure job back then i remember my mum saying that she used to have to go to the office and get him to come home and in the end he wasn't happy so they decided once my mum was pregnant to move back to england um where they later had my twin brothers um and my dad from videos that i've seen absolutely jumped into fatherhood um i but i know that there were times when he did things that probably wouldn't a normal a normal person a normal person somebody not struggling with depression probably wouldn't have done so um one night my mum was looking after both my screaming brothers and um my dad came into the room and she said could you help me and he just turned around and slammed the door and she didn't really sort of she thought oh my god you horrendous person but obviously it must have been a bit deeper with that so I think there were very early signs that something wasn't quite right um and then when my younger sister came along um he had a nervous breakdown fairly soon afterwards I think um and continually had them throughout the years um a few times he was admitted into the priory um and there were a couple of instances where I remember as a teenager we came to um blows because I was obviously a hormonal teenager and he was obviously an incredibly depressed man and so it was quite difficult um I, I always felt like I had a very strained relationship with him 
but I don't feel like that now I feel like I don't look back on those times I just look back at the amazing memories that I have with him and I think that says quite a lot because I know that a lot of people who have suffered bereavement probably don't feel like that so I suppose my experience with my dad's death is not positive but I have posit- more positive memories than I do negative ones when I really think about it yeah um, I, yeah I just say I, I get that because um, my dad had a lot of problems yeah. as well and he he died young but he didn't look after himself mm. at all um but he was like you said with your dad he would do anything for anyone yeah. he he lost a a really high pressure job in the times when there were lots of job losses and yeah. companies cutting he's a very intelligent man who yeah. just knew the answer to everything <laughs> so like yeah um <laughs> And but we talked before as well about, um, and I suppose that I'm a bit like this, like a people pleaser, because yeah. you almost don't want to face the problems that you've got, and you're trying to fix other people. Trying thing. to fix every yeah. yeah. It's I don't know whether you know, but it feels like my dad was exactly the same, yeah. and lots of the same traits. Yeah. Um, and you know you're angry after they die, but I, I do look at you know even though he had all, all loads of issues I can actually think say, you know the yeah. same my relationship wasn't good and the day he died I was meant to call home and I was waiting for my mum to get back yeah. and then of course I never got to and I beat myself up about that a bit yeah. but I can relate to that yeah. I mean I I can't there aren't necessarily memories that are incredibly happy but there aren't memories. I think I probably shut out the memories that are really bad because of. I just want to remember him yeah. at his best. Yeah. Um. So. I guess I never really came to terms with his death, really, until very recently, um, and I mean probably in the last few months, um, because I wasn't at home when my dad died I um as in I didn't live with my parents so for me um and I'm sure a lot of people also have this as well for me he could have still been alive and it's it's only recently where I've actually felt like I really needed him or wanted him or just wanted a cuddle or whatever Mm -hmm. um that I've sort of noticed or not noticed that I've really come to terms with the fact that actually he physically is not still here yeah um yeah so that with my brother yeah. yeah it's hard isn't it yeah because all you want to do is pick up the phone to them or go yeah, and you don't find them or yeah yeah so um i guess i that kind of again probably shows how when he was alive we weren't particularly close because i would go to my dad for very practical things um but nevertheless when i went to him when i needed anything he was he would do anything he would drop everything um when I wanted to leave university I remember phoning my mum and I was in tears and I had been for the last sort of few days I was battling quite a few things I wouldn't I didn't tell my parents about at the time anyway um which also goes to show just how much my dad just wanted us to be happy even when he didn't really know what was going on sort of behind the scenes necessarily so I was battling with my own problems um I had uh, eating disorders um and I 
phoned my mum and said, I can't do this anymore. I can't be at university. And my mum said, please just try because, you know, I don't want you to regret this decision once you leave. So I did try and then I came back to them again and I and they came up to, to university to see me actually. And um, my dad took us out for a lovely lunch and all of this and we really did talk about it. And I really said, I, I feel a bit more positive about it. Maybe I'll stay and whatever. And I week later I phoned them again and I was really upset again and it, in the end I think I got a text from my dad actually saying your mother and I think you should just come home and even though that he'd pushed me to go to university and he just wanted me to do my best he also wanted me to just be really happy yeah yeah um so and and but he was like that with with everybody you know he hopefully a little bit of an overview of what he was like as a person yeah um yeah he was also like you said about your dad he was incredibly bright as an actuary you do have to be yeah. I never realised because everyone whenever I say oh, my dad was an actuary they always go oh he must have been really clever then and I'm like yeah he was actually he was he was so bright um, and maybe that was um, part of the problem so yeah. maybe he was just yeah. so clever that he could see things in a different way maybe and yeah, yeah. and he probably put a lot of pressure on himself yeah. as well yeah I think Get because there is no like A to B to C kind of thing. Yeah, Everyone's no. really ind- individual. No. no. Um, well, yeah. If you, if, yeah. If you, and if you, you know, if you break something, there's a there's a cure for it straight yeah. away. And also, I imagine when you're back, you know, a few years ago, like, like at least now, it's all talked about, and mm. it probably wasn't then. Not so much. so much. No. No. It was a bit of a sort of slight stigma, I suppose. I almost. think so. I think so. I um I remember his work um being I I mean I don't know how, how sympathetic they were. If it I think if it had happened today while he was at work, if he'd had a, a mental breakdown today at work, it would be taken far more seriously. Mm. But we're talking ten years ago mm. when if you couldn't do the job that's it you know you're out pretty much um and sorry you've got mental health problems but we've got a business to run so i think that um the high pressure pressure job really didn't help but i think that now i hope that now that there's more um more services out there and better ways of helping people cope with it um and that people are just a little bit more sympathetic to um, somebody's reasonings behind not being able to do something yeah. um, so I think that quite a big part of his depression was probably to do with his job and the way that it was handled by people around him and yeah yeah so yeah well thank goodness everyone can talk and it's a bit more yeah out there yeah now um, so I will just say straight away that my dad um, took his own life um, he was 55 years old um and he would have been 56 um the month afterwards um he had had quite a hard weekend i think and my mum has said to me since then that she can see in hindsight that it was almost coming but obviously at the time couldn't see it Um, which I think is quite a common thing as well. I think a lot of people say that. In hindsight, I saw these signs. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Um, so they had been to the cinema the night before, and they went to go and watch um, I, Daniel Blake. I don't know if you've ever heard no. of it. I've never watched it. Um, no. but 
apparently it's quite hard hitting. Right. Um, so he went to go and see that, and my mum said that his reaction to it, she said it was as if he'd been punched. Um, he couldn't, he was just in complete shock. Mm-hmm. Um, she said his, the reaction was weird. Um, I was actually in France um, at the time that he that he died, and my brother, one of, one of my brothers was in Ireland. Um, so I think it kind of goes to show how almost unplanned it was but whether that was maybe part of his plan you know I don't it's a weird one with suicide because you don't know Um, so the night before he um, stayed up very late and my mum said she wanted to wait stay up with him to talk to him about his reaction to this film but didn't manage to stay awake Um, and so the day that he died my brother was at Sandhurst training to be an officer um and he he was injured so I think he'd come home for the weekend um but my dad was taking him back to Sandhurst on that day um and it was about 12 o'clock 11 12 o'clock my mum realized you know he hadn't been back and he hadn't got back and she thought it was a bit strange so she phoned him she phoned him she phoned him and it just got, kept going to answer phone so she got a bit worried it got to about sort of 12 30 one o'clock ish something like that and she phoned the non-emergency police and said i'm worried uh, about my husband um could you just tell me is there anything going on on the m3 or whichever motorway yeah. it was yeah. um whether he's maybe stuck in traffic whether he maybe had been in an accident whether there was anything reported um and then she also wanted to check um well she didn't want to she said to me actually that she was worried that he'd fallen asleep in a service station Um, and she didn't want to say it exactly and she didn't want to say it to the police and that was something that my dad used to do quite a lot um he would take me places and he'd pull over at the side of the road and go to sleep and it was so frustrating because i didn't understand it but part of depression is they just you just want to sleep a lot yeah um so she was worried about that and in the end she told her her friend phoned her and just for a chat and mum said look charlie's missing i don't know where he is um and the friend phoned the police the emergency police and they said the police will be around with you in two minutes and they were and apparently that's just when it all just became really surreal so the police came um they did a lot of door-to-door knocking have you seen this man um they got search parties out a lot of my friends and family came over um and meanwhile i was in france skiing (laughs) and having a lovely time and um i got back to the chalet i was staying at and uh, my phone just went mental so i looked at the messages and i had messages on our family group chat is he in the churchyard have you looked in the pub have you been here have you done this have you done that from my oldest brother and I thought this is really weird. So I phoned um, home just to have a chat more than anything. And my sister, one of my sisters was being really odd and not really talking. And she sounded like she needed to get off the phone. And I, I remember saying, is everything all right? She's, she said, yeah, 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 it's fine. Everything's fine. And then I looked at the messages properly again. And I thought something's really not right. So I phoned again and I said, what's happening? Why aren't you telling me what's going on? And my sister said, please don't worry, but dad's missing. 
and I my initial reaction was oh my god beachy head just really? yeah just go and I know every time you say it like you get a chill <laughs> it's because for me by the time I found out it was about five o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. and he was already dead they'd already found a body mm-hmm. um but I did we didn't know that I didn't know that and so actually now I, for a long time I beat myself up about it because that is where he was yeah. um so for a long time I was really like why didn't I just say something but actually by the time I knew he exactly so um I had to sit by my phone all evening um I was working out there as well I was working for a stag party um and they were really kind and they said to come along with us for out for dinner and um you know try to take your mind off it and no I didn't think it was particularly serious really because as soon as I thought beachy head I thought nope get it out of your head it's not true they'll find him it's fine and then it got later and later and later and we got back to the chalet and I was chatting to some of the boys and then I went to bed and at about 12 12 o'clock I phoned my mum and said is there anything she said no so fine I tried to go to sleep and of course I didn't so I was lying awake and I remember it must have been about one o'clock in the morning I got a phone call from my mum and thought great they found him so answered the phone and I said what is it what's happened and she just went darling I'm so sorry and I just heard what I thought was laughing in the background but then turned out to be sobbing mm-hmm. and my uh, she said they found your dad at Beachy Head so yeah I mean it was so surreal and I remember not crying because I wasn't crying mm-hmm. but I remember um feeling like I should have cried and we've had this conversation before do you remember with your when you found out about your brother and yeah. you you went to speak to your neighbor did you or your no. reaction was yeah well no with my dad um but I I phoned home and my brother answered because my dad was only 58 mm. and he said we've been trying to get my ex-husband was at the football we've been trying to get hold of him um, because dad's dead and his dad was a lot older than mine so I thought he meant my father-in-law Yeah. and he went no our dad's dead um, and I was on my own I was 17 weeks pregnant and yeah I I didn't know I didn't know what to do I walked around the house and then I went I think I told you Yeah. and I realised I didn't have a black dress Yeah. and it was just bizarre that was the first thing that you thought of because I didn't my mind you know I was I was whatever I was 24 25 yeah so the same age as me really and yeah and then when my brother died it was like phone call from my mum and she just said he's dead because he he'd gone off to Mm. hospital and I just said it out loud he's he's dead and that's again like you know I don't I think it's it, you, you can't like the children sobbed yeah um but I couldn't I had to be there for them but I couldn't um it didn't seem real yeah so know. surreal so yeah yeah and I think you know especially if you're out yeah. you're skiing it's like the last thing yeah that you expect that you expect yeah so um I mean even if you're there with your mum and you know your siblings and yeah. stuff I, I can't 
I can't imagine what they went through because, and we've never really, I've, I've spoken to them about them, but we're quite, um, my mum and I at least are very sort of matter of fact and we kind of remove ourselves from situations and talk more about um, like logically almost what happened and then the emotional stuff will come later or in private or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I know that my, my one of my sisters um, was so hands-on and amazing and actually one of the policemen that was dealing with the case said um, she's she's brilliant to my mum they said she's she's amazing she's really good she should be in the police or something like that yeah. um, and I remember her saying to me I just needed to keep busy and find him and I mean it got really serious they got police uh, helicopters out they got the dogs the search dogs out they got everyone out um, trying to look for him um, and she was a massive part of that and then when they said to her they, when the, when mum said to her they found him I'm so sorry she just broke down um, and we've all reacted incredibly differently yeah. to it yeah. we've all um, handled it very differently like I said mine has come a lot more recently um, and I find that I mean this is we're talking nearly three years ago um, be three years in February um, that that we've all dealt differently and I just, you know like I said mine's come much more recently um, whereas my sister my youngest sister who was I think 18 at the time was an absolute wreck anytime she saw a picture of dad anytime we spoke about it for the next however long afterwards just was in tears all the time completely understandably mm. But I wasn't, and I wanted to talk about him. Because we're talking about bereavement, and I'm sure a lot of people will probably um, relate to all of this quite a lot, that I couldn't handle social media, and I couldn't handle um, a lot of uh, attention from people as well. Because it didn't seem fair that everyone else's lives carried on, yeah. and yours stopped. And I know we've spoken about this quite a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I, I get that completely. Um, so uh, I remember, okay, it's different, but it's still bereavement. Yeah. I can remember the, the shopping centre opening and um, I walked round and I just... So it would have been like my third pregnancy loss, but this mm. was a little boy of 17 weeks. And I just looked at everybody and I thought... Why they're all walking around looking happy, mm. and you don't know what's happened to me? Yeah, and you know I had my daughter at this stage. Yeah, so I had one child, and everyone told me I should be. You know, I was very lucky. Yeah. Um. But um. I yeah. It's it's I I wanted to shut myself away then yeah. because it just didn't seem fair. No. But that as I've got older, I've learned that whatever happens to you. Yeah you know life does go on everything goes on around you yeah. and however lovely people are um they their lives move on yeah and when you're saying it's only three years actually that's nothing that's nothing yeah no. exactly because that's the other thing after a certain amount of years with things that happen to you you know whatever they are and people say um oh you know oh well it's been three years now it's been five years mm. now that doesn't matter no you know, people. You still lost somebody. You still lost someone, yeah. and like you say, everyone is so different that um, 
we all react in different ways and don't all and like you've probably been strong and been there mm. for everyone and so then that's why yours has taken taken such so a long, long yeah but did you talk to anybody at all like counseling wise or anything i i did so i worked for a company um i'd literally just started with them i felt the whole thing just felt like such bad timing and it would probably now if i look back i was probably quite angry about it like why have you done this now i mean why have you done this at all but why have you done this now um but the company allowed uh they had a they had a um process that you went through um where they provided you with counselling sessions. Right. So they provided six counselling sessions. And that was immediately? Immediately, right. yeah. Okay. Um, and she was great, actually. She was really, really good. Um, but the thing that was so, that seemed so unfair was that um, I was only allowed those six and then I was never allowed anymore with oh. the same woman because they, because they didn't want, or not immediately, I couldn't, I said, can I pay for it? No, you can't because um, it was almost like they didn't want it to be, I think they said almost... Um, not conflict of interest, but they they didn't want her to take advantage of me if I didn't need counselling. It right. was like a protective thing. Okay. They did it for everyone, it wasn't just me. Yeah. So um, I really enjoyed the counselling, but because it was so fresh, it was so new, I spoke about um, the problems I was having at the time with my sister not coming home because she was obviously dealing with it in her own way yeah. um i was seeing somebody and um i was talking about him and i always felt like i had to bring it back to my dad because that was the reason i was there yeah, yeah. so yeah. i didn't find it particularly helpful but i know that if i went now i'd probably find that i spoke more about it because i've had the time to like you say be everybody else's um support system yeah um, and so now maybe it would it would benefit me potentially, but at the same time I don't feel like I've reached a point that I need to speak to somebody. I feel at the moment okay. I feel like um, I talk to my family quite a lot about it. Um, I talk to my boyfriend quite a lot about it, even though I think he gets so fed up with it. Um, <laughs> but um, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Sorry, Tom, but no one cares. But yeah, I think that um, I have a lot of people that I can talk to about it. Um, and I've also got to a point now where I don't have to talk about it all the time. Um, so when he first died, I fairly recently afterwards bought a new car. And I felt like telling the woman who was selling me this car about my dad. I felt like I had to tell her just in case she didn't realise that I wasn't myself, that I was a bit... I don't know. And I think a lot of people go through this, don't they? Yeah. Where they have to say to um, people that they meet, oh, this has happened to me, just just quickly so you know, this has happened to me. And, and then... I don't know. I know you're I laughing. Know, I don't know what... <laughs> I, yeah, I think um, <laughs> I'm renowned for that. But yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favourite qualities about you. <laughs> I mean, it's not generally, you know, but... But you do feel like that, don't you? Yeah. You feel yeah. like you need people to know that you're not your best self. Yes. Um, yeah. And I have a friend who um, was also affected by suicide and she was exactly the same. She said to me she was exactly the same that she used to... Um, just tell everyone about it she said oh and I started talking to the woman at the makeup counter about it what the heck and so yeah I think I think that's another thing that people 
go through and it's really normal as yeah. well yeah. Um, and I think that's important for people who haven't experienced bereavement to realise as well that um, there are certain traits that people will show when they are grieving yeah. um, that are really relatable to other people so a lot of people go through these things um, and see that's good with talking because yeah. like when I lost my dad which was 29 years ago mm. almost 30 I um, you, you didn't really you kind of got on with things yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just think now that it, it well we didn't have podcasts for instance <laughs> <laughs> in you my didn't, day but it's true you didn't you don't have other people to relate you didn't have other people to no, relate to no so you have all the all, as you go through life and you have all these feelings I mean all the counsellors I've ever seen always say well you've had so many losses in your life mm. well yeah so so have a lot of people yeah so that was you know I just but I I that for me sort of didn't work um but then the other thing the sort of not the lovely thing things that you've said um where you felt your dad has been with you since oh yeah that's because there's a, other people that I've talked to in bereavement and there are certain things that happen. Mm. Um, and again, you know, I don't know if you just sort of share some yeah. of those. Cause yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, um, so the first, the first thing I suppose was um, getting back from France. Yeah. Um, once, I, once I found out uh, what had happened, um, I got an early flight home. Um, and I was listening to my phone, uh, to my music and trying to drown out any thoughts, I don't know, trying to just concentrate on that. And I got on uh, the plane, the plane took off and um, it was a really early flight. So when we came up through the clouds, there was sun bouncing on all of the clouds and it was stu like stunning. Yeah. Um, and I was listening to a song by um, James Arthur um, which I actually sang at my dad's funeral, or I recorded to sing at my dad's funeral, um, because it just completely set me off. And I remember thinking when I was up there, my God, dad's up here now. Um, and I'm not a religious person, and I'm not, I would, I don't even know if I'd say I was a spiritual person beforehand or a religious person beforehand, but now that he's gone, I feel like I want something to be true, yeah. whether it is, and I think this is true for a lot of people, you try and, look for solace in different places yeah. so um that was the first thing um the the clouds and thinking oh dad's up here because i've always as a child you always think heaven's up above the clouds don't you yeah. so and now every time i get a plane i always <laughs> that's literally all i think i'm like oh hi dad <laughs> um and so that was the first thing the the other thing or another couple of things was i um very soon afterwards um, my mum had to move house um, literally the, they were moving the week that my dad died it was all like terrible timing yeah. um, and I remember driving back from her new house and I'd had a massive row with my one of my sisters and one of my brothers and um, I guess I was probably being quite sensitive as you would be mm -hmm. um, and we were in the car I was giving them both a lift home and we were in the car and I remember them teasing me and being so cross and I was gripping the steering wheel feeling so angry and I felt this hand come across my shoulder and almost sort of squeeze me and I thought it was my sister and I was like get off and I sort of shoved her or not shoved I shrugged this hand off me 
And I looked in the mirror behind me and my brother was sitting on his phone looking down at it, so it can't have been him. And I looked over at my sister and she was just looking out of the window. And I instantly just thought, oh my God, that was my dad. Mm. And I know that a lot of people will maybe think, oh, for God's sakes or whatever, just like... But it was so... Um, it was so comforting, I yeah. think. Um, and I've also had other things as well. And I don't know whether this is maybe my my hyper-imaginative imagination um, or whether there is something, who knows. Um, but when I was um, working at the place that I worked at when he died, I would sit out in the car park sometimes to get away from everyone. And I remember... Um, almost staring into space and then somebody caught my eye uh, from across the car park and I looked up and I saw my dad walking towards me um, and I literally would sort of freeze and then he'd go, I don't know, blinked my eyes or whatever and he, he would disappear but I think that it's things like that the, the things that you feel afterwards yeah. that can be quite comforting to a lot of people yeah. because you kind of keep them alive. Um, yeah, why shouldn't you? Exactly, yeah. exactly. I think you have to come to terms with what's happened, but I think that it's important to keep the person's spirit alive or their yeah. Yeah. Um, their memories alive. Yeah. And we do that with Dad. We celebrate his birthdays. We celebrate... Um, at Christmas we celebrate it with dad in mind yeah. Christmases were never a very easy thing in our house because especially when he was at his worst um, with depression he would disappear and we'd have Christmas day mum would be furious because nobody would help um, we all wanted to play with our new stuff whatever our presents were yeah. um, and so she felt quite alone and I think there was always almost this like heaviness hanging over the house on a Christmas day and now we we had a, an amazing Christmas with dad the year before he died so we now almost mimic that every year yeah. so that we have such a great time and we constantly talk about dad and make jokes and I know that my uh, my boyfriend gets incredibly uncomfortable when on the group chats um, that my family has we will make these horrendous jokes about my dad mm. um that we all know aren't necessarily no but then true. again i think sometimes we need humor to yeah. get through the most horrific things yeah. that have happened in our lives oh. you know that that i i get that i yeah. see that you know that's the way we we cope sometimes yeah. you have to you have to have it or yeah. you know it, or you'll cry yeah or I mean, you'll, it stop. Just, you'll stop yeah, yeah. You, you need it so um, and just the last thing, the, what, the other thing you said about when you were, did you, you were running for Mind, which yes. is a great charity. I, yeah, so I, uh, I agreed to do um, a half marathon with my boyfriend, um, his dad and his stepmom. We did the Hastings half marathon and we raised over, I think, over a thousand pounds or was it over two thousand pounds? We raised quite a substantial amount of money, yeah. um, which was amazing. Um, I did apply for the London Marathon through Mind, but I think so many people are desperate to run the charities and things these days. So I sadly didn't get a place this year, but I will be trying again. The reason that I am so adamant to do a lot of things for Mind is because I don't want other people to feel the way that I felt. 
I understand that um, depression is going to probably be present in our lives forever because it, you know, you can't always have the most perfect life. You have to be realistic with these things. And sadly, it does affect a hell of a lot of people. But, and although mind didn't directly help my dad or my family um it i i if they can help other people i feel like i have i'll have done something in my dad's memory um and i think another thing as well i always promised my dad when he was at his worst that i would run around buell water um and raise money and give it to mind and i never did it so i guess that's part of that's me sort of on my way to to doing that for my dad something that's quite crucial to mention um that there are there are ways of coping with bereavement um i i am a personal trainer and (laughs) so so i am obviously quite a massive advocate for exercise and i i know that it is very good for you and that everyone should do it um but it was something that massively helped me personally and um I've created a community for me. Yeah. Um, I have all my lovely clients. Um, it's because you, sometimes you need to think and um, sometimes you don't need to think. So sometimes I'll get people to do things where they really have to concentrate on what they're doing. Yeah. So they're not concentrating on something else. Yeah. But sometimes you need to, you do need to talk about it and it doesn't have to be with a counselor, but equally it doesn't have to be with your family. Just it, somebody, you need to have almost like an outlet for um your grief yeah. because yeah. It, otherwise it will just eat you up thank you so much vicky for sharing that with us um for your open and honesty about everything as well now vicky mentioned that she had recorded um a song for her mum to play at her dad's funeral so um of course, I've got her to send that to me um, and I'd like to include it at the end of this podcast. I met you in the dark, you lit me up, you made me feel as though I was numb. The night away, we drank too much, and I held your hair back when you were throwing up. Then you smiled over your shoulder for a minute. I was stone cold sober. I pulled you closer to my chest, and you asked me to stay over. I said, I already told you. I think that you should get some rest I knew I loved you then But you'd never know Cause I played it cool when I was scared of letting go I knew I needed you But I never showed I wanna stay with you until we're grey and old Just say you won't let go say you won't let go I'll wake you up with some breakfast in bed 
coffee with a kiss on your head I'll take the kids to school, wave them goodbye And I'll thank my lucky stars for that night When you looked over your shoulder For a minute I forget that I'm older I wanna dance with you right now beautiful as ever and I swear every day you'll get better you make me feel this way somehow I'm so in love with you and I hope you know that darling your love is more than worth its weight in gold we've come so far my dear look how we've grown and I want to stay with you until For me when I needed you most I'm gonna love you till my lungs give out And I promise till death we part like in our vows So I wrote this song for you Now everybody knows That it's just you and me until we're grey